Good morning. Are we doing okay this morning? Okay. We're ready for winter? No. Okay. <laughs> Neither am I, but it comes every year regardless, right? Um, I invite those who are online worshiping uh, to greet each other. If you have a um, candle in front of you, I invite you to light it to be reminded of Christ's presence among us. I invite all of us as we gather here or as we gather um, via the internet uh, to um, allow our minds and our hearts um, to be attuned to God, to come in expectation and anticipation uh, of experiencing Christ's presence afresh and anew this day as we join together in worship. And so let us join our voices together as uh, we sing Holy, Holy, Holy.
I wanted to, a uh, uh, couple, of, couple of things that um, I think I would like to bring to our attention today. Uh, first of all, I want to let you know, next week will be All Saints Sunday, and so um, while um, we will uh, have less folks than we've had in the past, and it will look a little different, we're still going to celebrate All Saints Sunday and celebrate uh, those who have passed away in the last 12 months as well as all the saints of the church. And so I invite you to be sure to tune in for that. Um, I will not be here. Kobe will be leading that. And in fact, for the next couple of weeks, I will uh, not be here. And you'll get to hear a fresh voice. And so uh, you will not want to miss being here because we all know that when Kobe preaches, it is so much better. No? Well... Uh, but but it's always it, it, <laughs> it is it is always good to hear a fresh voice. Um, the other thing that I just want to say, um, I debated on whether just to do this by email or to do this as part of worship, uh, but I decided to, to do this as part of worship. Um, I just want to remind us we have an important event coming up here, um, the first Tuesday of November. And um, as we get closer and closer to Election Day, it seems to me that the uh, rhetoric, uh, not just on the news and on commercials, but on Facebook and between people, it seems that it gets ratcheted a little higher and a little higher. And in fact, um, in fact I read somewhere where um, 80% of people think that this is the most critical election that they have ever had in their voting lives. That's good. That means we'll get lots of people to vote, right? And now the interesting thing about that is 90% of Democrats and 90% of Republicans feel that way, and only about 60% of independents feel that way. Uh, so the good news is more people will vote. The bad news is, is that when the election is over, Regardless of who wins, um, a 45 to 50% of the people are going to be really disappointed, and they are going to think that this most critical election that they have ever had has gone the wrong way. And 50 to 55% uh, may be tempted to celebrate because it's gone the way that it needed to go according to them. We need to keep that in mind. We need to keep that in mind in how we react both before and after the election um, to remember that not everybody agrees. And it is just as likely that folks inside the church and outside the church are just as divided, regardless of what we uh, may think about that. And in fact, um, in fact, during this election season um, and even during the COVID, during the months of COVID, um, I have really had to fight disappointment and discouragement, and I know Kobe and I have had conversations about this, uh, because um, I, I see how even within the church, um, there is such divisiveness and such meanness with which we respond to other people. Um, and maybe for me, it is just the fact that I am on Facebook during this election cycle, and for the previous election cycles, I had nothing to do with Facebook. So that may have a lot to do with it. Um, but um, I say that.
to remind folks um, when you post things and when you say things, um, really seriously think about whether uh, you are building people up or not. I just don't see it to be very effective when um, you post something that basically says, if you don't vote the way I vote, you're not really a Christian or you don't really love Jesus or um, however you might have phrased it. I'm sure that you've seen those posts. Um, and, and so I just encourage you um, to be a very, very cautious and to think about whether what you're sharing and how you're sharing, both in person and in conversation, um, is showing the love of Christ, is seeking to build up. Now, don't misunderstand. Some people understand some of the things I say about politics as, well, well he's just saying we shouldn't talk about politics at all. Far be that from the truth. It's just a matter of how we talk about them, right? Um, and in our society today, whether we like it or not, what has happened is rather than talk about our party or our candidate, uh, we tend to demonize the other because that's easier to do. And so I just encourage you to think about that. And now, having said that, uh, because of that, um, in January, and I, and I wanted to let you all know this now, so that you understand that the sermon series I'm going to do in January has nothing to do with who wins or loses the election, okay? But in January, I'm going to do a series on um, faith and politics or hot topics or something along those lines, I'm not exactly sure, where we're going to, we're going to take a look at some um, touchy subjects and we're going to explore what Scripture might say about them. We're going to explore um, how Christians might think about those things. And so I want to invite you all uh, to um, send me an email um, if, you're, if you're online and you want to just type in, hey, I hope one of the topics you cover is this. Um, please do that or send me an email. And uh, we'll begin to shape what that looks like. Uh, but I think one of the things that's become apparent to me is that uh, we are where we are in part, I think, because on some of these topics um, in church, we have stayed maybe too silent. We haven't had conversations, and we let the conversations go on um, in uh, um, little snippets on Facebook and, and things like that, which really just don't do them justice. And so uh, I just want to make you aware of that. Um, so uh, some of you may say, well, then I'm just going to skip out on January because I don't want to hear any of that. I hope not. Um, I hope not. And um, I think that you'll appreciate um, the, the way that we're going to uh, tackle that. And so I hope that you'll participate in that and that you'll give me ideas. I also wanted to give you, uh, there's some books I've been reading uh, that I think um, would be beneficial to folks. Um, because I see more and more uh, this thing of folks uh, really implying that um, if folks don't vote the way they do, they're not Christian, or they don't understand how a Christian could vote this way or that way. Uh, a couple of books you may want to pick up and just look at is called Be Before You Vote by David Platt, and there's another one called The Politically Homeless Christian um, by Aaron Schaefer. Um, I often say that's what I feel like, a politically homeless Christian, because um, I don't find, um, I, I can't find myself comfortable in either political party fully and wholly. And uh, so I invite you to take a look at those books. 
Have I talked about politics enough? Yeah. Okay. Good deal. Um, uh, now I want us again, um, at, at, we're going to go to prayer here in a moment, and um, I, I want us to especially be lifting up our community. I think we're up to nine deaths in the veterans' home now. I think, right, nine deaths. Um, I think they're all from COVID, but regardless of what they're from, um, it's heartbreaking. We've got folks I know in um, the village, um, the community that we have partnered with who have COVID, and they're back on lockdown. And we just have more and more um, incidents of COVID within our community. And I think it really begins to hit home when people that we know and love and do life with begin to lose their life. And so I just want us to uh, lift up our community uh, this day, um, especially our um, care facilities um, as we go to prayer. And so I invite you to uh, bow your heads and to focus on God's presence. And may these words be the words of all of our hearts and all of our desires as we go to God. And we just, we just pray to you, Lord, that in this moment and in this time, that you will be among us and upon us. We pray, Lord, that you will be with the residents and the workers at the Veterans Home and at the village and of the other care facilities in Cameron. Lord, as, as they deal with their grief and just their tiredness of dealing with this pandemic. Give them the strength and the wisdom to to care for, uh, give the staff the wisdom and, and strength to care for their patients, give the residents a sense of, uh, of comfort and calmness, give those who have lost loved ones a sense of your peace and your presence that is with them always. As a community, Lord, help us. Help us to make wise decisions. Help us to be ever aware of those around us, that we might reach out and comfort them, that we might do the things that uh, limit the spread of this pandemic, that we might care for those who find themselves in isolation or not being able to give out, get out. Be with us. As the time of this uh, election arise, uh, arrives and tensions arise, enable us, Lord, to reflect your love and your grace in the midst of all of this. Enable us to be your people, guided by your spirit, beacons of hope and light, to a broken world. Pour your spirit out upon us this day. Pour your spirit out upon our community and upon our care facilities, um, upon our nation, that indeed we may hear your voice, that we may respond to your spirit, and that we might love God 
and love our neighbor. In Christ's name, amen.
All right, we're going to wrap up the book of Acts today. And um, we're going we're gonna to pick up Acts in chapter uh, 28. And uh, just a little background uh, for this particular chapter. Um, we, um, we're going to, as we pick this up in chapter 28, I want to remind us that it's been three years earlier. It's been three years since Paul was uh, challenged in the temple and actually arrested and accused by uh, the Jews of defiling the temple. Uh, so uh, his arrival in Rome to be tried before Caesar is actually three years after his initial accusations. And, and in these chapters from 22 to 28, we have seen uh, Paul make his defense before uh, his accusers, uh, before a couple of governors, Felix and Festus, and also uh, between the, uh, before the regional king Agrippa. And in chapter 27, we have seen this uh, dangerous voyage that Paul has taken in the midst of storms, that he's been shipwrecked, that he's survived that, and he survived a snake bite. And so in chapter 28, we're now told that, that Paul is arriving in Rome, and in fact, before he gets to Rome, apparently Christians in Rome hear that he is coming, and they go out to, to meet him and, and the group that are bringing these prisoners, and to escort them back to uh, Rome. And um, this is probably somewhere around A.D. Uh, 62. And uh, we're going to pick up the story then at Acts 28, uh, verse uh, 17. And, and this is actually three days after Paul has arrived in Rome. And so hear these words from Acts 28. Three days later, Paul called the Jewish leaders together. When they gathered, he said, Brothers, although I have done nothing against our people or the customs of our ancestors, I'm a prisoner from Jerusalem. They handed me over to the Romans, who intended to release me after they examined me because they couldn't find any reason for putting me to death. But when the Jews objected, I was forced to appeal to Caesar. So don't think that I appealed to Caesar because I had any reason to bring charges against my nation. This is why I asked to see you and speak with you. It's because of the hope of Israel that I am bound with this chain. And they responded, we haven't received any letters about you from Judea. Nor have any of our brothers come and reported or said anything bad about you. But we think it's important to hear what you think, for we know that people everywhere are speaking against this Jesus faction. On the day scheduled for this purpose, many people came to the place where he was staying. From morning until evening, he explained and testified concerning God's kingdom. And he tried to convince them about Jesus through appealing to the law from Moses and the prophets. Some were persuaded by what he had to say, but others refused to believe. They disagreed with each other and were starting to leave when Paul made one last statement. The Holy Spirit spoke correctly when he said to your ancestors through the prophet Isaiah, Go to this people and say, you will hear to be sure, but never understand. 
and you will certainly see but never recognize what you are seeing. This people's senses have become calloused, and they've, they've become hard of hearing, and they've shut their eyes so that they won't see with their ears or hear with their ears or understand with their minds and change their hearts and lives that I may heal them. Therefore, be certain of this. God's salvation has been sent to the Gentiles. They will listen. Everyone with ears to hear and eyes to see and a mind to understand, uh, see and hear and understand uh, the word of Scripture this day. Well, in many ways, we're not surprised by the ending of Acts, are we? We've seen in Paul's encounters with folks this same cycle that he goes, to, goes through. But I find it interesting. Um, Paul continues to repeat the same cycle, doesn't he? He gets to Rome, and he hasn't been there but three days. And he's under house arrest, most likely, um, with, with a Roman guard watching over him, but given enough freedom for folks to come and go. He's been there for three days, and what's one of the first things that he does? He invites the Jewish leaders, he invites the synagogue leaders to come to his place to hear what he has to say. He wants them to know, first of all, uh, that because uh, he doesn't know what Jerusalem has sent, and he thinks they may have sent some accusations forward, and he wants uh, the, the Jewish people uh, in the synagogue in in Rome to understand that he has done nothing against his people, our people, as he puts it. He has done nothing against our people or our customs. He wants to emphasize that he has not been disloyal uh, to um, his own ancestry, his Jewish ancestry, or his Jewish faith. And in fact, he is emphasizing that he is in chains actually because of his loyalty to the hope that he has for Israel. He is in chains not because he has been disloyal, but because he continues to have a hope for Israel, a hope of deliverance, a hope of restoration, and a hope of resurrection. And he wants them to hear this and to know this. He wants them to know that he is in chains because he is proclaiming uh, the good news that the Messiah has come and that the kingdom of God has been inaugurated and in fact is present even though it is not here in its fullness. And just like in the past, the, resp or the response from these people is rather interesting. The response of these Jewish leaders is to say, first of all, well, we haven't heard a thing from the Jerusalem church. They haven't sent us anything saying anything about you or about what you've done or, or anything like that. But we have heard a few things about this Jesus faction. And to tell you the truth, uh, we haven't heard anything good said about this faction of our uh, Jewish faith. And so we would like to hear what you have to say. We would love to hear uh, what this is all about and give you a hearing. And so apparently that gets scheduled and we're told as we continue in the passage, we're told on the, on the appointed day, 
um, these Jewish leaders return, probably with other people from the synagogue, to hear what Paul has to say. And the scripture tells us that from morning to evening, Paul had these discussions with them, trying to persuade them about Jesus and the kingdom that has come through Jesus. Now, I wish that Luke had expanded with another chapter or two here to tell us exactly what Paul had said. Uh, but all he says is that Paul, that Paul um, taught them and, and um, sought to persuade them uh, by teaching from the law and from the prophet. Yeah, I can imagine that Paul began saying to them, look, um, I, I know where you're coming from. I've been in your shoes before. I also found it hard to believe that this Jesus person was the Messiah. Uh, I found it hard to believe that, that one who had been crucified could actually be the Messiah, that the kingdom of God would come in this way. I too expected it to happen in another way. And yet, he says, if we look closely at the, at the Scriptures of the law and of the prophets, we will see that all along that it was there. There were these passages that spoke of a suffering servant who would come to deliver Israel. A suffering a servant who would uh, come to deliver them and to begin this restoration process of Israel. And yet, even though he speaks from morning to night, we are told some believe and some reject what he has to say. Some believe that Jesus is the Messiah and others reject what he has said. And it says that the, that the conversation between them, apparently they begin to disagree with one another as they talk about could this be true and why this couldn't be true as they debated what Scripture said um, and they couldn't come to a consensus as to what they thought about Jesus. They're ready to leave, and Paul offers one last word, and it's from the prophet Isaiah. It is actually this passage of Scripture where um, Isaiah um, heard this message from God early in his uh, ministry to Israel uh, during the time of King Ahaz. And it's a passage of Scripture that Jesus, we see quoted in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all four Gospels. We see Jesus use this same passage. It's words that sometimes I think we read and we think that are said in anger, but if we pay attention to the words, we see that they are said in grief and disappointment. Because in essence, it's a passage that talks about uh, the the uh, synagogue leaders, their um, self-destructive lack of receptivity to this new thing that God is doing. And so both Jesus and Paul, they lament the fact that the very people, the very people that the Messiah had come to deliver and to restore and to rescue are the same people who refuse to see or to hear or to understand what is going on. 
They refuse to see it because they have blinders on. Uh, They have put God in a box and they have determined that God can only act in these ways that they've so long expected. And Paul laments, he says, if only you would open your eyes and see things from a different perspective. If only you would open your ears and be receptive to the words and the experiences. If only you would open up your minds to not just the scriptures, but to what Jesus has done and to the witness of the people who have seen him. Then maybe you would turn to God and you would experience healing. You would experience further healing and further transformation. Do you hear the words of disappointment, words of utter grief and sorrow from Paul and even from Jesus when they quote this passage as they lament the fact that the very people that God came to heal and to make whole instead refused to see or to hear or to understand. And because of that, they find themselves stuck unable to experience the healing that God desires to give them, unable to experience the transformation and the wholeness that God has promised to this very people. You know, I think the same issue, the same issue exists in the church today as existed in the synagogue during the times of Paul. I think sometimes those of us on the inside, those of us on the inside, those who should hear the word of God and should experience the freshness of the spirit, sometimes uh, we do not see and we do not hear and we do not understand because our senses have become callous. Sometimes we've just decided there's nothing new to see or nothing new to hear or nothing new to understand. Sometimes I think like the people in the synagogue, we think that that we are in the in crowd. We think that we have entered the boundaries of being the people of God and there is no further transformation that needs to take place. We've got our ticket to eternity with God. We've got our uh, privilege And there is nothing further we need to see or hear or understand. There's no further uh, transformation or healing to take place in our lives because we're already in. And too often we can become like the synagogue and we can condemn those who are on the outside forgetting ourselves what it was like to be apart from God. And to not be connected to Jesus. Sometimes we just get comfortable. And we stop looking for God at work in the world. We stop listening for the voice of the Spirit. And we stop seeking to understand where God might be leading us or calling us. And that happens both individually and as a community. And so Paul, in one last effort 
to the people of the synagogue. It says if you would just listen and see and understand, God, God would come and heal us and transform us. And so I hope we hear that invitation today as the church. I hope we hear uh, God's invitation, whether you've been in the church for uh, 25 or 35 years or just a, a, a year. I hope we hear this invitation to God to continue to look for the new things God is doing, to open up our ears to the spirit and to seek understanding so that we can continue to be shaped and formed so that we can experience healing and wholeness. We don't, have to sat, we don't have to be satisfied uh, with, with this uh, life where we just seem to be hanging on until Jesus comes again. We can indeed experience the presence of Christ in our individual lives. But let us also hear this in a sense of community. Let us hear this invitation of God that invites us to continue uh, seeking to connect with God with all of our heart and our mind and our souls. So that as we do, we become the community that invites others to connect with God. Let us open up our eyes and our ears and our minds to continually uh, seek to study Scripture and to be in community with one another so that we might continue to grow toward our Christ-likeness, so that we might indeed learn to live in the way of Jesus here in this world and we might invite others to do the same. Let us hear this invitation to open up our eyes and our ears and our understanding so that we might um, experience and be ever aware of the Spirit nudging us to go, to go and to reach out to others, uh, to connect with other people, uh, to, um, to touch them in the points where they need healing, that they might get a glimpse of God's kingdom, to invite them to invite them to come alongside us in this journey of experiencing and understanding who Jesus is. This journey in which we continue to seek each and every day to be, made, to, to, to be healed and to be made whole. May we hear this invitation afresh and anew this day. May we seek to open up our eyes to open up our ears, to open up our minds, and to open up our hearts, that we might experience Christ afresh and anew, and we might continue to be healed and made whole, and we might be the people God intended us to be, a people that is blessed so that we might be a blessing to all other people. Amen. Gracious God, indeed as we hear your word this day, give us new eyes to see, give us ears to hear, give us minds to understand, give us hearts to feel your presence. Enable us 
enable us to experience your healing touch so that we might be made whole and we might be your witnesses in our community and throughout the world. In Christ's name, amen. Having heard God's invitation this day, may we go forth not unhealed, but healed. May we go forth changed and transformed. May we go forth ever desiring to turn to God and to experience his healing touch and his wholeness each and every day. Go in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit to experience and to be Christ's holy touch. Amen.